It's never an accident who you sit next to. I was told this so long ago that I've forgotten who told me. To whomsoever, thank you for the wisdom. I've always found it to be true. Hi folks, I'm Anne-Marie, the Soulful Therapist. There are natural, gentle ways to heal, discover yourself and find meaning in the world. Let me introduce you to them. I'm a psychotherapist, past life therapist, clinical hypnotherapist, master knitter, Reiki master, teacher, author and seer. I specialise in trauma, helping young people and spiritual development. Shall we begin? Hello, she said, the liquid tones of her voice sliding melodiously over each other. Can my friends and I sit with you? The balcony breakfast table I was enjoying was empty, but for me and the cooling breeze that had joined me briefly while drifting its way from tree to tree. Sure, I said, you're very welcome, I added more correctly, and wondered what adventure was about to begin. It's no accident, I reminded myself, and opened my mind and heart to the possibilities of this new encounter. Who was this woman, really? Who was she to me? What did she have to teach me? It's no accident, I repeated to myself. The air was warm and wet in a way that only happens in humid climates, where the makeup slides off your face, but you don't care because it seems more important that your bare feet wriggle in the dirt. I was excited and ready for all possibilities. My morning meditations had been particularly encouraging. Visions of beautiful crystal palaces and rainbow waves welcoming and drawing everyone in suggested that something magical and transformational was coming. I was ready. I was prepared. Breakfast was uneventful. A group of pleasant people enjoying an organic breakfast. I'd only been there hours and already I could feel my spirit relaxing into this beautiful, soulful environment of gentle voices and gentle manners. Giant fans whirled lazily overhead in the beautiful timber dining hall. I idly wondered how many Americans were nostalgic for the summer camps of their childhood. As an Australian, this was a foreign environment with unknown rules. I released all of my expectations and allowed for whatever to happen. Magic was in the air. Volunteers scrambled to make sure we got our breakfast. The kitchen was run with military precision. There was a ripple of disconcerted murmurs amongst the breakfast diners. They'd just realised that meat was only served twice a week. The news was even worse if you had a sweet tooth. I could see how dessert could become quite a celebration if it was only served twice a week. I found boiled eggs to add to my spinach leaves. I was happy. And the coffee drinkers were also happy. Thanks to Dr Brian Wise, there was coffee. We were to find out that some years prior he'd carefully explained to administrators that the workshop was uncomfortable for people suffering coffee withdrawal symptoms. So the coffee machine sat side by side with organic juices. I went for the juice. My new friend arrived with her breakfast and the entourage she had gathered around her since she arrived. I sort of expected soul connections. After all, this was a past life workshop, but I thought that was pretty efficient for overnight. She gave me a pretty smile and turned her big brown eyes on me. Hello, my name's Barbie. Barbie? Barbie, Barbie. 
she said, giving me a chance to tune my ears into her name and her liquid Indian accent. But some people have trouble with that. You can call me Bobby if you choose. What she didn't know is that my mother's name is Bobby. What I didn't know was that she looked at me and recognised the eyes of her mother. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. I love the beginnings of workshops and conferences, the hushed expectation, people finding seats in a dance of mystery that places together the people who have natural synchronicity, whether they like it or not. And when the workshop has been organised with full support from the teachers who reside on the higher subplane of the mental plane, then miracles are in the air. I was still bemused by my morning meditation. The image had been quite clear in spite of my way of perceiving things. My feel, sense, see way of doing things showed me a crystal palace of the most beautiful and colourful hues, radiating the purest of energies and floating over the top of the hall. It was a promise of wonderful things to come, and it was something I could trust. All my senses were heightened, and I was glad I was staying at Amiga, at the workshop venue. From years of meditation and Reiki and experiences in the desert, I was quite aware that I was in a heightened state. I gave myself full permission to do exactly what I felt inclined to, and not worry that I may be too vague to connect well socially. I was also grateful not to have to navigate roads and cars, quite tricky in an altered state. Putting one foot in front of the other and not falling over was enough for me to be content. Breakfast with Barbie and friends had been a pleasant social occasion. I was happily scooped up into the group walk from the dining hall to the workshop. To my southern Australian eyes, it was all so green and lush. Each footstep was a celebration of life. The summer humidity nurtured plants and animals alike, and the wild ones quite unselfconsciously helped themselves to the organic veggies in the garden. Please sit with us, said Barbie, and I found myself sandwiched comfortably between two Indian women. The room was a kaleidoscope of people of different cultures and accents, everyone finding their place and finding themselves, centering themselves in their experience and locating the connections past, present and future. I was under no illusion that my conscious mind had any say in it at all. After all, I had gone to the experiential workshop with Brian and Carol Weiss in Coolum, Queensland, the year before. At the end of my time as an adult educator, my conscious intention was to learn new work skills. But what actually occurred threw me into a positive healing trajectory that was entirely personal. I knew that I couldn't predict anything that was about to occur. I was so ready to learn. I was so ready to have those transformational experiences that cannot be described, but change you in that subtle way that is just better. The yoga chairs were brilliant. Back support with a cushion on the floor, perfect for people like me who go into trance easily. Around me, people were wriggling and fussing, making nests of pillows and blankets like a cat would before curling into comfortable sleep. Yes, the cushions under me were in perfect position. They supported my balanced spine, seated in the yoga position. Crystals in hand, I'm ready. Bavi and friends chatted away, equally as excited, and in the early moments of meeting beloved strangers, Bavi confessed to me, I don't know why, but I've never felt loved. I know I'm loved. 
my family love me, but I don't feel loved. Brian and Carol Weiss appeared on the dais, applause, such beautiful, humble and humorous people, welcoming us like we were entering their home for a dinner party, and I guess in a way we were. 22 years of holding experiential workshops made Omega home to them, and of course over the next week made Omega home to us as well. I let the spirit of their generosity wash over me. And so we're going to have lots of experiences because I've found this leads to the greatest success. It is better, said Brian. And with a simple introduction, he led 150 of us into a past life regression. I know that I soak up the emotions of those around me like a sponge. I know that some days I can't walk through a shopping centre. Once upon a time, I couldn't even walk into a crystal shop. The energies would overwhelm me. I'd go blind, would you believe it, and find myself unable to walk. I would actually need a helper to go into a crystal shop. Over time, I got better at knowing what's me and what's another. I have become stronger and more grounded as I got older, as I practiced Reiki and meditation. But it still amazed me how Brian and Carol could lead hundreds of people into past life experiences, people sitting just centimetres apart from one another, sometimes touching and having unique and powerful experiences. And I was fine. Brian says miracles happen. And this is really how I knew Brian and Carol were the teachers for me. My first miracle, really. This is for the experience. Let yourself experience. Let yourself remember. Pick the door that seems right to you, and when you're ready, walk through. I let Brian's calm and gentle voice wash over me, happy to surrender to his instruction. And I found myself in India in about 1500. Good grief, I thought, looking down at myself. This has to be true. I've always detested this colour. I wouldn't wear it even in my imagination. So this has to be true. I watched the water trickle from my fingertips, totally entranced by the perfection of each droplet as it separated from the puddle in my palm and then arced through the air to rejoin the water in the pond. A perfect lesson in everything returning to the divine. The garden was magnificent, huge and built over many levels. There were sandstone fountains and beautiful trees flowers and exotic fruits. In some places it was shady and in other places it was sun-kissed. But what mattered to me was this small and private, almost neglected corner. The water held a slight green tinge. It didn't matter to me. Water was sacred. Water was my element. I would join the priesthood and study and discover all the mysteries that water would share with me. In communion with water, I would share the wisdom it offered. There would be many supplicants seeking answers. I would answer them, but the questions would come as if from a distance. What would always matter most to me would be this communion with water. I was richly dressed and traditionally dressed in a sari of burgundy, not my favourite colour, with woven gold edging. I had no shoes on and I didn't care. My ankles were encircled with solid gold anklets adorned with small bells that tinkled with each step. I wore the heavy gold jewellery on my body with indifference. I didn't care. 
I hadn't dressed myself. I was dressed for my father's pleasure, to do him honour. I had stood patiently and vacantly after a rich breakfast until the servants had done their work of dressing me, until I could run away into the garden. I knew that they thought I was simple. I knew they thought that my brain was damaged, and it really suited me to be thought of this way. It made me unmarriageable. And if I was unmarriageable, I could have my way and be sent to the priesthood. I waited for, longed for, the moment my father would give up on me in disgust, as various suitors had. The water spun delicately from my fingertips back into the pond. There was a cry of joy and a small girl dressed in vivid orange hurled herself into my arms. She was about two. I was her older sister. I was 16 or 17. We had no mother. We were alone a lot apart from the servants who knew to keep apart from us. Our father was a cold and distant man, not a cruel man, but a powerful man consumed by the responsibilities of his position. We didn't know him well. I was the only mother she'd ever known and in the way older siblings often are for the little ones. And then, with the shock of a sledgehammer, I knew who the little girl was. Tears streamed down my face. It was Barbie. And I will awaken you by counting up from 10 to 1, and with each number you'll feel more and more alert. One, two, three, My face was wet with tears of my grief and horror. What had I done? Four, five, six. I gently released the experience of that life, a high-ranking girl with aspirations to the priesthood and brought the healing back with me. Seven, eight. My baby sister was not gone. I had left her to her fate without a thought and she was sitting right beside me. Nine, ten. I delayed opening my eyes. How could I face her? What could I say? I was definitely going to look like a crackpot. Would she believe me? The tears continued to stream down my face. My heart ached. Courage. I opened my eyes and turned towards her slowly with a deep breath. Here goes nothing. Her dark velvety eyes looked right back at me. Are you okay? I, I, I took a deep breath. I was Indian, we were together, you are my little sister, and I was a shitty big sister. I thought you were a pest. I am so sorry, I didn't look after you, and I should have. I am so sorry. And a river of tears poured from my heart. In some quiet corner of my mind, I wondered if she thought I had lost it crazy or opportunistic it didn't matter my heart was the open wound you feel when you lose your child and find her again and then the miracle happened I didn't want to say anything I thought you thought I was crazy when I met you I saw my mother's eyes I thought maybe you were my mother Barbie's tears mixed with mine I forgive you I love you 
and I held her and rocked her like she was still the baby in the orange tunic I had just left. I love you too. And we cried and cried, and like any good mother should, I supplied the tissues for snotty noses from the depths of my suitably stocked handbag. The tissues rained down like confetti at a wedding, and then Barbie lifted her dewy eyes to mine with wonder. It's gone. That feeling. I don't feel unloved anymore. It's gone. What happened to us? You might ask, what became of us in the 1500s? I went to the temple and became a priestess and custodian of the secrets of water. Bavi made the state marriage that I refused. She lived an affluent and abundant life that was chosen for her by our father and my refusal to embrace what had been decided for me. To today, I know there is a karmic debt between us. Love must be balanced. Later in searching for an image that looked like Barbie in the 1500s to illustrate my ebook, I found her again in a free image on the internet. For me, it was another miracle of confirmation. It was an exact likeness. Today, even on opposite sides of the world, separated by distance, she fills my heart with love. Dr. Brian Weiss says, Our souls are timeless and endless, existing beyond all dimensions, preceding all space, all emptiness, all matter, all forces and all energies. How magnificent we truly are. I love getting questions and I need more of them. You can record your questions on your smartphone and email them to me at Anne at annemariemcglasson.com. I'll do my best to answer questions every week. So we've received some really good questions from episode two about numerology. I received an email where someone had actually added up the numbers from all of their date of birth and had arrived at the beautiful number of 27 and then said, what do I do now? Okay, the idea with numerology is you just keep reducing until you end up with one number. There is an exclusion so that if, for example, you ended up with either a 22 or an 11 in your numbers, um, then you never reduce the 22 and the 11. These numbers are part of your makeup. They are master numbers. Often it means you've got a few more challenges in your life. Sorry about that. <laughs> but it's always a good idea to be prepared. So, of course, your 22 is going to be about humanitarianism and your 11 is about idealism. So it's always a good idea to be prepared for those two options. And you'll end up with, for example, you know, a 22 plus 7 or, you know, an 11 plus 5. And so you've got the two numbers that you would consider. And they are the ones that influence your overall life. We had another good question about numerology. Uh, and somebody asked about why there are different interpretations of numbers all over the internet. Uh, that wonderful repository, the internet, captures all sorts of information uh, from the very, very basic to the very uh, sophisticated. So the numbers that I'm teaching you about is soul-based numerology. So we're really trying to look at what's going to guide your soul forward. I can't really account for anybody else's uh, reasoning or interpretation or 
identification of numbers as meaning certain things. There are quite a few different traditions around. I actually suggest that you work with whatever fits best for you. The most wonderful thing about this question was that the uh, person who sent it to me said, oh, by the way, um, I like yours the best. (laughs) So I thought, well, that's lovely. Thank you very much. Uh, Don't please substitute my judgment for yours. Always follow your heart, your guts uh, and your intelligence. Now, the third question I had was, where are the show notes? Uh, Yes, I would like to offer all of you my humble apologies. It has been a very busy time uh, and that's one of those things that uh, didn't quite get achieved over the last couple of weeks. So I will get right onto that. So my apologies if that's inconvenienced to anybody. Um, I do have hearing impaired relatives, so I know that having those show notes is necessary for some of our people and our relatives and friends. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, and I love reading the comments on iTunes. Your requests for spiritual mentoring and storytelling have created something really special, so I hope you enjoy it, and if you do, please share with a friend or two. See you next time.